welcome to the Oceans Church podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged and empowered to bring the kingdom of heaven into your spheres of life. So Harry on the left, Juliet on the right. Um, They are absolutely a delight. And if you've seen them around, you probably think so as well. Um, I'm also blessed to lead our production team. Um, I absolutely love creating an environment where people can come and worship God. It's like one of my all-time favorite things. It mixes like my passion for God with my super nerdy ability to like do tech stuff. Um, And together with my wife, uh, we run a dinner party out in Dutch. So when dinner parties get kicked off again, come and chat to us. We'd love to have you there. Um, And then finally, I'm also a primary school teacher. So I'm going to be heading back to work in about mm, 20 odd days. And I'm still thoroughly enjoying my uh, holidays. Anyone still on holidays? Are you all good? Yep, good. Everyone else? Well, I'm the lucky one. Um, And man, Jared and Jess's wedding was simply phenomenal. And I had the absolute privilege of being one of the best men in that wedding. Um, And honestly, what a sensational day that was. So, all right, let's get started. So we are, this year, turning your New Year's resolutions into a personal revolution. Everyone say revolution. I feel like it needs a bit of grunt behind that word because it's a word that means a forcible overthrow of a government or social order in favour of a new system. We want to overthrow the old system, which is not focusing on the do, but in focusing on the who. Not focusing on what we need to do, or, but we're focusing on who God says we are. Because when we realise who God says we are, then we begin to see ourselves differently And this will affect everything we do. So my wife and I love each other very much, very much. I mean, eight and a half years worth, eight and a half years, wow. Uh, It's a long time. And over the years, we've learned that we like to do things a little bit differently from time to time, like, you know, how we do the dishes and things like that. And I remember this one time, very early in our lives, maybe about six months in, we're in our little house up in Alchemos and we're like, you know what? We need some new furniture. We had this old Ikea couch that was all run down. Like, let's go get something really nice. So we're having lots of these discussions about what color, what style, and, you know, we're getting quite... It's a, it's, it's a strong debate, let's call it that. Um, we're disagreeing a lot because, if you know me, I love a recliner. Who likes a recliner? The kind of chair where you can sit down, pull the little lever, your leg goes up, and then... you. I love watching the cricket, so that's uh, one of my favourite memories is 2013, beating the English in the ashes. Um, But, you know, (laughs) as we're um, having these discussions, we decide to go to Amart, great people, um, and we're wandering around looking at the different stores and we are getting more and more heated until finally Flick has had enough. She storms out on me Sorry, throwing her under the bus right now, but it's fine. Um, she storms out on me and off she went. Now, at the end, you know, happy wife, happy life. For those who are married, you probably know what I'm talking about. We went with Flick's choices, even though it included a couch and a chair that didn't match. Weird. Anyway, but she is a designer. She does do this very well. And after eight and a half years, we're still together. Um, and she still makes the design, design decisions around the house, just so everyone's clear on that. I don't do that. But in that moment, I could have questioned her love for me. 
like six months in, early marriage phase, she storms out and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done? Now, of course, this is a bit of a humorous story, but she did still love me despite what I did. And the truth is, on a serious note, we can often go through life insecure, thinking that God only loves us according to the good that we do or the bad that we do. We can think that every little thing we do might cut us off from the love of God. But this is not true because God sees us differently. So tonight I'm speaking out of Romans 8, 38 to 39, which says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present and threatening, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing can separate us from the love of God. Tonight I want, you, I want to help you discover that you are secure in God's love. It's a really easy title, ready? Secure in the love of God. Hey, there you go. Um, so, point one tonight, and it's going to follow an easy theme, is the love of God is inseparable. The question then is, and it's answered in this scripture, what can separate us from the love of God? Now, the brief answer is nothing. And if, we, if I wanted to be lazy, I could just leave it there. But let's, let's hear a bit of the long answer because I feel like this scripture has got so much depth and so much fruit in it that we really need to like kind of squeeze it out, get the juice out of it. So Paul writes, for I am convinced. Now, what does this mean? It's actually con- continuing from the previous verses. He's saying, I am convinced. And it sounds like it's in the past tense, but it's not. It's actually in the tense that we call the present perfect. Now, you guys, this is my teacher side coming out. So you, you guys are sitting there going, man, I didn't come to be like, sitting in a year five class, but it actually means he's not just convinced as in past tense, he's convinced as in he is still convinced, he remains convinced, it's a continual thing. Church, we need a conviction of this, that you are loved and nothing is going to change that. I personally am 100% convinced that I am loved by God. This is foundational for our Christian walk because from this, everything else will follow. Paul then goes on to create these this interesting list of pairs um, that is ought to convince us that we are secure in the love of God. Bear with me, okay? I get this is going to be a bit of an information overload, but I promise it's good stuff. He starts with neither death nor life. This is uh, all-inclusive. All-conclusive? This covers our time time on earth and beyond. Because, you know, death can cut us off from a lot of things. Death can cut us off from earth, family, our body, business, earthly pleasures, and even life, we can experience uh, these separations. We can experience separations in marriage, in relationships, business, in health and wealth from what God intended. There are a lot of separations that happen, but one separation will never occur in your life, and that is you being separated from the love of God, okay? For those who are in Christ Jesus, it is an unconditional love, That is not caused by anything in us. It's not about us. And it's not forfeited by what we do either. Neither angels nor demons is the second pair. You know, demons, those working against us in our pursuit of knowing and becoming more like Jesus, fulfilling God's promise, uh, our purpose for our life. You know, Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy. But despite his best efforts, despite the lies, the manipulation that he can try and cause in our lives, Not even supernatural demonic power can separate us from the love of God. And then he talks about, for things present, nor things present, 
and threatening, nor, um, and nor things to come. Nor things present and threatening. Who has got a bit of a worry in their life at the moment that they're just thinking about? It might be something that's happening now. It might be something that's happening in an hour's time. It might be, oh, what am I going to eat tonight? Or it might be, oh, man, how am I going to deal with that person in my life? And he also says, nor things to come. Things like happening tomorrow, but to come doesn't define a period of time. It's actually infinitely into the future. You know, in, uh, I was so um, happy that, <laughs> Aiden, you spoke this uh, scripture. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, because we're obviously on the same page. First Peter 5 verse 7 says, Casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on Him, for He cares about you with the deepest affection and watches over you carefully. The next one isn't actually a pair, but we say it's a pair because it will link to the, um, the final one. It says, nor powers, nor powers. Now, this is mostly talking about the powers on earth because we know that Paul, he was a Christian in, in a time where the Roman Empire ruled and um, Christians were persecuted. You know, he dealt with being beaten and going to court and thrown in jail and all sorts of things. Not even, but he says in this scripture, not even powers, governmental powers, international powers, it might be your parents, it might be your teachers, it might be your bosses, but not even any of these things can separate you from the love of God. There's two more, or technically three, nor height, nor depth. Now, I'll be honest, when I read this for the first time, I thought, why is he talking about mountains and valleys? It just didn't make sense. But upon a little bit of research, he's not actually talking about that at all. He's not talking about a physical height and a physical depth. Instead, he's talking about heaven and hell. And this is like saying how far is the east is from the west, north to the south. Paul is telling us no matter what territory we are in, we are still loved by God. And the final one, and this is probably my favorite one, because... It's nor any other created thing. Now, I personally think Paul was being a little bit lazy. He's like going, oh yeah, nor any other created thing. But he's not actually being lazy. He's just being extremely comprehensive. He is showing the underlying truth that nothing, everyone repeat, nothing, nothing will separate us from the love of God. Nothing that I've already mentioned in, pre in the previous words. But there's one thing that hasn't really been mentioned that falls under this category, and that is you. You cannot separate yourself from the love of God. Nothing you can do will remove you from the love of God. You can't loosen His grip on you. You can't uh, separate yourself at all from His love. Just like at the beginning when Flick and I were having our first major fight of our marriage, nothing we could do would separate us from each other's love because we've made vows towards each other and we love each other. Can I be a little bit vulnerable with you guys? Is that okay? Cool. All right, so some people I've shared this with, some people you may have no idea, you might think I'm this guy who's been leading production and I've been floating around church for the last couple of years. But um, as a teenager and, uh, and into my adulthood, I, struggled, I carried the struggle of pornography with me. And it's, you know, something that a person never wants, but is so difficult to shake off. It is extremely difficult and you can only do it through the power of God. Um, but who knows, when you stuff up, when you sin, you tend to withdraw from God in shame. You don't want to be connected with Him. You don't want to be around Him because you're scared of what He's going to say, what He's going to think. You think you're less lovable. 
really. But this is dependent on you and what you do and what you don't do. However, that is not the truth. It is not the truth. God sees you differently because I am loved. It is who I am. Nothing can separate me from God's love. And the, and the same truth is for you guys as well. Nothing that you do will separate you from the love of God. So what do we do with all this information? Because I, like I said, I get it. It's a long section. We really, it, it begins with the understanding that when you wake up in the morning, wake up with the thought that I am loved by God. You know, the word love in this scripture, it's, uh, I could go into the whole Greek analysis of the four different types of love, but I won't. I won't bore you with all that. I'm going to simply tell you that the word love was the word agape. Okay, and agape simply means divine and selfless love. It's a love that we actually can't even fathom. We're the closest we can get to it is, you know, the, that kind of parental love where you love your child and you do anything for them. Um, but even that has a Greek word. You know, it's a full stop. It's a capital letter. There's no ifs and ors or buts. You get to live your life with the convincing knowledge that God loves you and it is secure. You can live in freedom and in grace, but why is it secure? Now, this is point number two. Like I said, point number one is a long point, but point number two, it is the love of God grounded in Christ. It brings us back uh, to those final seven words, which says, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Um, For something to be secure, because we're talking about being secure in the love of God. For something to be secure, you need to be fixed to something secure. Um, now, James Phipps, he is an absolute legend, helps out with media on our production team and does um, always out there connecting. But he's just gone on a trip to New Zealand um, and I'm very jealous. But one of the activities he's decided to do is a little bit crazy. He's decided to go bungee jumping. Has anyone gone bungee jumping in here before? Yeah, unreal experience I'm sure but probably not for me now watching this video I was actually so thrilled I was actually excited for him because he was standing at the edge of the platform and you know they're doing the final checks and patting him on the back and everything and then he simply looks over at the camera smiles and jumps and it wasn't a jump of like being nervous it wasn't like a Uh, No, it was a jump of freedom because he knew he was secured both on his legs and to the platform. The love of God is not grounded in wishful thinking, but the very promise of what God has done, what Jesus has done for us. You know, God's love is procured and secured by the work of Christ. And that word procured means to get possession of something. He is the bond that connects us to God. It is through him and him alone that people have access to God. But what work am I talking about? It's the work of Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead so that we can be saved. Is it our work? No, it's not what we do, but it's what Jesus has done for us. When Jesus died, it was him taking upon himself the sin of the world. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made Christ who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. You know, at Christmas time, I'm, I'm actually loving Christmas time more and more because I've got Harry. And as Harry has grown up, you know, the first two Christmases, kids don't really get it. They're like, oh yeah. 
you, you know, you're grabbing their hand to open the presents. But no, this Christmas was even better because he's becoming more idea, uh, aware of the idea of gift giving. You know, when he gets a gift, he gets so excited. But is it his when I'm still holding it? No, not yet. It is not until he takes it from my hands and receives it that it becomes his. And you know, all we need to do is accept Jesus as Lord over our life. And it's as simple as saying, right from this moment, Jesus, you are Lord over my life. You know, it's also important to recognize this is not by our own works. You cannot work harder, longer, doing more to access the love of God in the same way that Harry cannot do more, work harder, be a better boy to get my gift to him, okay? Romans 11:6 says, and if it is by grace, then it is no longer by works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. You cannot make God love you more or less by your works because it's only through grace that you are loved. It is agape love, selfless and divine. Remember that God's love is never based on what you do. This is the whole point of this revolution series is based on who you are and you are loved. For me, I'm very much of a, a doer. And this is how God's made me. I, this is my response to God because I, I know that I'm loved and I just want to serve him as, like, as much as, uh, as possible. And Flick's like, oh my gosh, I can't keep up with you like the Energizer Bunny. But I just love him so much that I have to serve him. And it's out of joy that I do this. But it can be easy to slip into the idea that, you know, I'm going to do more so that God will love me more. But this is not secure because I can fail. I cannot be perfect. My security, though, is in what Jesus has done for me. Therefore, my joy and my hope is in him. Makes me much more confident. Not like Harry, because he is my son. He doesn't have to work in order to receive my love. So as I finish up, I just want you to take one thing away from tonight. It is you are loved and it is secure. It is grounded not in what you do, but who you are. You know, our son is so confident and bold, and it comes from the fact that he is so secure in our love for him. He runs to us knowing that, you know, we will embrace him when he launches himself at us, you know. Even if he hasn't been the best kid that day, we still love him and we will cheer him on. And in the same way, God is inviting you to a new level of confidence today. He wants you to be free like Harry. Really? Yes, Paisley, hi. <laughs> to run to him and into God's purpose for your life. Not based on a feeling which is so insecure, but the truth of God's word for you. So church, why don't we all stand for a moment and just lift your hands as a sign of surrender but also as a sign of receiving God's love. Because I know in this place, we've all had so many different experiences of what love might look like. But tonight, I believe God is speaking through me to you to make the decision, not based on feelings, not because, you know, Adrian's an amazing guitar player, but because of the truth of His Word. To, um, to receive His love right now in this moment. You know, maybe you've doubted God's love for you, either because of what you have done or maybe what you haven't done. You've felt insecure, but tonight, God is driving out fear and insecurity. So right now, why don't you make the choice to receive His love afresh? Or maybe even for the first time tonight, 
because He loves you. I want you to picture the idea of you running into God's arms, just like Harry would run into my arms. And He is embracing you with love, with arms wide open, delighting in you. Church, receive His love right now by faith. You know, some of you might be feeling it right now. And as I was preparing this message, I, I just said to God, Lord, I would love for people to physically feel your love tonight, for people to mentally feel your love tonight. Let His love wash over you from head to toe. And some people may even be like emotionally healed right now. Some people may be getting set free from insecurity and fear. So right now, Jesus, I release the power of your love and I cast out all fear all insecurity. I release a godly confidence and boldness to rise up in people in Jesus' name. We thank you. We praise you for what you've done so that we can know that we are love. And the church of Jesus said, amen, amen. Awesome. All right, church, stay standing because I am going to introduce my amazing wife, Felicity Evanson, otherwise known as Flick. Welcome, welcome. Awesome. Give him another clap. What a man. <laughs> so good. I am so lucky that he, God paired me with you. Awesome. That was an awesome, awesome message. Hey, I am Flick. You guys take your seats. Um, I've got to follow that. Great. <laughs> hey, if you didn't know, I'm Flick and I'm the one with the great taste in furniture. Um, <laughs> And still to this day, got the great taste in furniture and the great taste in guys, hey? Um, so we are, we are super honoured to be sharing and up here today. And we love, love this church. And we actually really love the heart behind this series as well. Um, I'm going to just take a few moments to build upon what Jake has just said and what he's brought. And um, also the messages, the awesome messages from Kate and Jared last week. It's just been an, a, a wonderful kickoff to the um, to a series. So I just want to focus on an aspect of my identity that I've really struggled with over the years, um, and that is that I am called. And so the title of my message is Imposter Syndrome, a distraction from action. Yeah, distraction from action. Can you guys say it? Yeah. Who's heard of imposter syndrome? Yeah, awesome. So I'm, I'm in good company. You know, I'm an insurance broker and I've been doing it for 15 years. I went to uni, did commerce, did the whole, whole, the, the whole shebang, the thing that you do when you don't know what to do, right? <laughs> so I finished uni, didn't know what to do, ended up going into insurance and I actually love my job. I've been doing it for a while. However, last year I was sitting there and I'm in the boardroom of a multi, like $100 million business and I'm sitting there in front of my client and there's five blokes sitting across from me. I was already pretty nervous, but I'd prepared a, a wicked presentation. I was confident in what I've got for them. It was gonna go great. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm sitting there and my inner dialogue, who's got one of those? Let's call her Karen, because she's a Karen, or a Susan starts arcing up and she's like, oh, flick, are you serious? You're going to sit there and you're going to tell these blokes how to run their business and how to transfer their risk and what policies to buy. They're not going to listen to you. You're just a woman or you're only 30, like 31. I'm 33, so let's say I'm 32 last year. You're only 32, you know, like why are they going to listen to you? That's crazy. And in that moment, I was completely derailed. My purpose of being in that boardroom to actually deliver a really carefully planned presentation totally I got sidetracked. I just totally lost the plot. 
almost. In my head, I did. I was cool as a cucumber up top. But who knows that sometimes we go through this and who else has, has been in a similar situation? I know I'm not alone where you're like, oh my goodness, and that inner dialogue starts arcing up, that inner voice. You know, sometimes I've actually felt like this as a Christian. Who else has felt like this as a Christian? Where you're looking around and you're like, they are gonna know that I don't measure up. They're gonna know, people are gonna, why is she raising her hands? She should not be raising her hands. She has no idea what she's doing. You know, I will never measure up. That's the truth of it, I won't. But you know, also the things that can come along and, and weave its way into these thoughts is you can start to say, I can't, I could never join a team. I could never do worship. I could never raise my hands. I could never go to a dinner party, lead a dinner party. I could never do academy. I could never be up here preaching. I could never be a pastor. I could never, I could never. And you know, if we let this thought pattern rule our life, it is gonna derail and totally disqualify. We're gonna self-disqualify what God has actually placed in our life and our purpose. You know, it's simply not the truth. And again, we're focusing on who you are in God, not what you do. And I just wanna hone in on this today. You know, imposter syndrome is a distraction from action. It keeps us so preoccupied with our inabilities, our inadequacies, that we actually just stand on the sidelines and we disqualify ourselves. You know, Forbes magazine, there's an article that said 75% of executives suffers with imposter syndrome. So I'm not alone. I know I'm not. But, you know, it goes on to thankfully say it's not a genetic trait. It's not a genetic thing. You can unlearn it and you can overcome it. But, hey, I don't have time for 10 easy steps to go into that. And I'm going to break it down in two. And I'm going to look at the Word of God. So let's, let's go to our key scripture. Um, and the Word of God is literally the, the moment you open it, it has the truth. It will change your life like it's changed mine. So Romans 8.28 is our key scripture if you're taking notes. We know that in all things God works for good those who love him, those whom he has called according to his purpose. And then 29, those whom God had already chosen, he also set apart to become like his son so that the son would be the first among many believers. His son will be first among many. So a lot of us know this scripture well. Who's heard that first bit? Yeah, we, we sometimes slap it on like a bit of a band-aid. You know, God will work all things together for those that love him. But my first point tonight, I wanna focus on that last bit, is that you are called according to his purpose. So my point one is you are called. No ifs, buts, or maybes, full stop, exclamation mark, if you have humbled yourself and accepted Jesus, because this is key, I want to really focus on this. If you've humbled yourself and accepted Jesus and his grace, the gift of grace, like Jake spoke about and his love, you've accepted that present. It's not just that he's there offering it. It's that you actually humble yourself and accept it. Then you are called, number one, to relationship with God. God already chose you, if we can bring that scripture up again. Um, verse 29, and then I believe also you are called to a life of wholeness, redemption and transformation. Because the second part of that is that he's already chosen you to set and set you apart to become like his son, Jesus. He set you apart. Um, so, you know, just to give a little bit of a context of why imposter syndrome might be a bit of a, an issue for me is I grew up in a church and it was extremely exhausting, to put it simply. So I grew up in a church 
that, hey, all my family, it was revival days, they got saved, but then I kind of, we kind of got into it, and over time, it got a little bit exhausting. It wasn't about what, the emphasis wasn't about on who you were, it was about what you did. Did you go to church every Sunday, twice? They used to go Sunday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday nights, Friday nights, they had, you know, Bible study, Saturday nights you were out in the street, and so it was, it was a lot, it was a lot, and so at the end of the day, I just was, it was reinforced by a very judgmental atmosphere, and um, I want to make the, the difference, because loving accountability where someone calls you up and says, hey, I really missed you at church on Sunday. Or if you've like, for example, signed up to multiply, you've made a commitment, right? So just plug in it. If you've made a commitment, turn up. <laughs> but this is different. It was, it was laced with judgment. It was laced with um, competitiveness as well. Like there was a competitive spirit, which really um, got exhausting and a bit suffocating. So just to let you know from there, I had a bit of an upheaval in my life at 18 and I kind of took this as an opportunity to walk away from God and to walk away from my faith and that very suffocating environment. And so I walked away from God and church, but the, the clincher is, is I went to church on Sundays still at the back and I was out the night before partying, getting drunk, hooking up with whoever and then just in case Jesus came back, I would come and fill a pew on Sunday morning just in case. FYI, that's not how it works. That is not what God had in store for me. That wasn't his heart for me. He wanted me to live in freedom because living a double life too, that was exhausting. Rocking up in your, in your Sunday best and then you're also sporting a hang over. That is not what God has in store for you. <laughs> so he wants your full attention, arms raised. Amen. Amen. So, um, so yeah, that was that. And then, um, sorry. And so then my turning point after that, I, I was feeling a little bit um, already disenchanted with that lifestyle. Like I said, went from one exhausting thing of life to another. And then New Year's Eve, I went to a party in 2014 and um, I ended up in a very difficult situation, a situation that no girl um, and my daughter, like I don't ever want her to be in that situation. Um, and so yeah, I just fled that party feeling pretty used and abused and um, sorry, I practiced this multiple times and didn't cry. Um, yeah, so I was drunk and I decided in that moment I needed to get out of there, no matter what it took. And I ended up driving home drunk. Sorry, mum, if you're watching. Um, anyway, so I ended up driving home drunk and I was in Ocean Reef and I was going around, um, I was going around a roundabout and I almost died. I lost control of the car and ended up on the side of the road. I, thankfully, nothing happened. Um, I just, it scared me. Nothing like a near-death experience to shake you up and sober you up. But yeah, I was there and I was sitting on the side of the road and I just remember I felt so dirty and I felt so broken and ashamed and lost and exhausted again. And I remember saying to God, no, no great moment other than, God, how am I so far from the person that you've called me to be? How, how have I found myself in this situation? How am I so far from who I know you have called me to be? And so in that moment, I just made a decision. I was like, something needs to change. Not instantly, it was just I knew something needed to change. And so a little while later, I think it was about four days later, um, a friend of mine, I'd met her at her friend's engagement party. 
And she was like, you want to catch up for coffee? And so I'd had a pretty rough week, near-death experience and all of that. And so she said, do you want to catch up for coffee? Let's meet at your harbour. So I didn't want to go, but I was like, all right, better do the right thing. Um, So I'm there and she's making awkward small talk and we're talking and she's this good little Christian girl who's just finished her time at Bethel and she was super spiritual and you know I was like oh here we go and she was telling me about her experience and we were chatting getting to know each other real awkward and then she just out of nowhere puts her hand on my hand and it's like what the heck is happening and she goes (laughs) and she goes you've forgotten who you are she said and whose you are you have forgotten. And, I just, and she just started to speak words over me and biblical truths. And she said, you're a daughter of the Most High King. You have a plan and a purpose. His thoughts towards you outnumber the grains of sand on every beach, on every ocean, no matter where. And he thinks about you and he loves you and he's a plan and purpose. And as she started to speak this over me, her words became God's words. Literally in that moment, every time. That's what the love of God does, guys. <laughs> in that moment, he literally met me right there where I was at in Yahava. Swan Valley, little family next to us were like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> As I'm crying into my coffee cup. And I'm just like, and he just said, I love you. I love you. I love you. I have a plan and a purpose. You aren't too far. You're only as far as you push me. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a word for, somewhere, for someone right now. He's only as far as you push him. And so her words, yes, had power, but they started to just reform my identity in Christ. You start, it started to bring life. Words bring life. The power of life and death are in the tongue. Amen? So all that to say, that was 10 years ago. On the 4th of January, 2014, so it was 10 years ago. And, you know, I was, as I was writing this, and I've told that story many times, not up in public, but many times to people. And, you know, I have accepted God in that moment, in that coffee shop. It wasn't anything fancy. Yes, I was bawling into my cappuccino. But it wasn't anything fancy. But God met me right where I was in that moment. And I have never looked back. Never. I, in that moment, was like, right, I need to give this a good darn go. That God that she's talking about, that God that I met in the coffee shop, I want to know that God. Not the one that has held up a list of rules and you shoulds and shouldn'ts and the exhausting, com- competitive, judgmental atmosphere that I grew up in. I wanted to know that God that had grace and love for me and, and met me in that moment at Yahava in Swan Valley. You know, at the end of this service, you're going to have the same opportunity, church. If you're here and you don't know God and you don't know his plan for your life, you don't actually have a relationship with him, I encourage you, I implore you to think about it today. Why not? What have you got to lose? It's the best decision you'll ever make, I swear. Um, You know, even today, the devil tries to use the sin and shame of my past and that night to derail me from my purpose. He does. He brings it up time and time again. You know, I'm joining Academy. Yes, I am. I'm so excited. So excited. But even that yes was a big yes. Like sometimes, I don't know if you guys ever feel like your yes to God is maybe too big. Like, God, I can't do that. It's too big. What if I fail you? What if I stuff it up? What if I can't like live it out how people expect you to live it out? What if I can't do it? 
Well, I'm going to tell you right now that he has shown me time and time again in those 10 years since I gave my life to him and just started walking in his plan for my life daily that he has never forsaken me. He will never leave you or forsake you. And it brings, you to my, brings me to my next point. Point two is according to his plan and his purpose for your life. You know, it's not just about your vocation. Yes, I'm an insurance broker, all of that. But it's wherever you are. There is a purpose. God's purpose and plan and call on your life is wherever you are. If you are surrendered to him daily and you are in relationship with him, he has a call on your life. No matter how young you are, because we've got kids in the service, we've got teenagers in the service. No matter how young you are, don't let it stop you because God sees you and he's created and called you for a purpose. So two main points is that I want to focus on in this one is from verse 29. And it's number one, to become like Christ. You are called to become like Christ full stop. You know, and then secondly, you're also called to live for Christ. And I want to break that down. You know, following my cafe conversion, as I call it, you know, it's been a bit of a slow burn. I look back at the 10 years and I'm like, God, I should, I should be doing more. Like I should, surely I should be further along or doing a little bit more. And you know, I realized that it's the process of becoming like Christ is a process It doesn't happen overnight, church. It's a process that is cyclical. I was going to put up, because I'm a very visual person, I was going to put up like a nice little flow diagram and Jake was like, nah, maybe not. (laughs) But basically, it's when you have this revelation that God's ultimate purpose for all believers is about who we are becoming and not about what we are doing. And you know what? There is an absolute freedom in that. It's not about what you're doing. It's about who you're becoming becoming on a daily basis. You know, Ephesians 2.10 says, God, and that's the next scripture, um, God has made us what we are, his handiwork. And in our union, again, our union and relationship with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good works, which he has already prepared for us to do. You know, I want to emphasize that we're not saved by good works, We are saved for good works. Good works are never the cause of salvation, ever. And that's what religion often points to, how much you're doing. But it's actually the evidence and our response to him. You know, throughout this process of becoming like Christ and living like Christ, there is the ugly stepsister, or so to speak, of imposter syndrome. And that's the comparison trap. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. Especially with social media. You're looking at everyone's highlight reels. It ain't true. Let it go. Let it go. Amen. I'm preaching to myself. You know, you can be saying, my calling isn't big enough. I should be doing more. My life is not all that. It's not what, it's, what I thought it would be. Because we put expectations on ourselves, right? We do. It's just who we are. But, you know, I do this all the time. And can I get real? Right now, I'm in full-blown mum mode. Like, I've got a five-month-old. I can't even get up for, for fresh air. Like, get out and do, go for a walk is good. You know, I'm not out there feeding the homeless or flying off to other countries or going to do a d- discipleship training course. Gemma, we miss you. I love you. Um, but, you know, like, those things are amazing, but I can't even get my act together and fold my washing and put it away. <laughs> so, you know, all of that, I'm just feeling like I, I am never enough. But you know what? As I have started to follow God and seek God in my everyday and that intimate relationship with him in union with Christ, like our scripture says, I have to stop comparing myself to others and just stay in my lane. Stay in your lane. And you know what? I am right where I need to be. You know, I've also 
found, this is just a little side note, that if you are really struggling with this, the comparison trap, and you're not like feeling like you're not measuring up or you're not doing enough, you know, a little antidote to actually start ridding yourself of that, because let's get practical, is to just start encouraging others. Start encouraging others on their walk, on their lane, in their lane. Get alongside them instead of trying to overtake them. Because who knows, we don't want to be a church that is that competitive atmosphere. We're not about that. That's not who we are. That's not who I am. That's not who you are. That's not why we're joined to this church. We're joined here because we have a plan and a purpose and we are called. You know, you are off the hook. When you realize you're off the hook and all you need to do is be in union with Christ and make yourself available, then there is freedom in that. I just want to close and I can have the band back up and I want to pray, but in a moment, you know, you may be sitting here today and just like I've been speaking to myself, there could be like a little bit of like a a heart thing going on with you and you're like, oh man, Flick, I feel that. I feel that in a big way over my life. You know, maybe you're struggling with feeling like a bit of a fraud in church, in life, in any, any of those things that you're walking in. You might be wrestling with imposter syndrome, wondering where God's call is on your life, what it looks like. You know, or maybe you are caught up in the comparison trap. You might be looking at people's highlight reels and checking in on that person. They're doing so much better than me. Or maybe you're a new Christian and you're like, oh, I just, I'm raring to go. Like I need to go. But it's a process of transformation. It doesn't happen overnight. You can't compare yourself with people that have been doing the journey for 10 years, but you can get alongside them and say, help me along. Come on, Flick, let's go for a coffee and I'm gonna cry in the, in the cup with you. You know, that's what it's about. That's what this journey is about. It's about getting alongside people because you don't wanna be funky. This is not even in my notes. But when you're doing this process alone and you're not doing it in community, you get a bit weird. You can get a bit funky. I needed that person in that moment when I was struggling. And I was like, man, I I didn't even know her. She was like a new friend. But she was one of my bridesmaids as well. So go, go figure. But she spoke into my life. God uses people to speak into your life. Do not do this journey alone. If you've got things that are going on, if you don't know the call of God on your life, seek out leadership, seek out friends, seek out good company because you want to do this together. We're not about doing it alone. And we are a church that do it together, all right? Awesome. So that wasn't even on my notes. I got one there. So I just want to encourage you that as I was writing this and I was going through this, I am in my world-changing era. That was my revelation to myself. I'm already there. I'm already there. At this moment, I am called, yes, to be a mum, to be a wife, to be a friend. So I'm really doing it. Who knows what my next season will bring? Who knows what academy will open up or how I'm going to go back to work after my maternity leave? These are all questions that are left unanswered. But right now, I'm, I'm just committed to working it out with God on the daily and catching up for coffee and saying like, hey, do you want to go for a coffee, friend? Let's, let's chat. And you know what? His word says that you and I don't have to do it alone because Psalm 32, 8 says, the Lord says, I will teach you the way that you should go. I will instruct you and I will advise you. You know, I want to encourage you that when I forgot who I was, I was left feeling alone and broken, but I remember whose I am 
and I'm up here today and I remember whose I am and I had that revelation. I am a mom, a wife, a friend. I'm in my world-changing era. You are in your world-changing era right now. Why don't we all stand? And I'm just going to pray this over you. I'm going to believe the same for you. You know, just why don't you just shut your eyes, lift your hands and surrender to God. You know, you might be feeling this, that, you know, you're not good enough. You're not enough. You're not doing enough. But right now, God, I pray for those that are here today who are struggling with imposter syndrome. And I prophesy with authority that they are right where they need to be. They are in their world-changing era. They are where they need to be and that they are called. They are called to relationship with you and called to a life of wholeness and a life of redemption, God, becoming like your son, accepting, God, that who they are is in you. It's not about what they do. It's about who they are in you, God. You know, and I break the imposter syndrome and the comparison trap right now in Jesus' name. I break that off people's lives. I say, God, stay in your lane. God says, stay in your lane. I have called you for a purpose and a time such as this. You know, those that have been derailed, those that have disqualified themselves, those that have been distracted from action, God, put them back on your path. Lord, bring them back to you and the call that you have for their life, God, in relationship with you, doing life with you, God. Lord, that their worth is not determined by what they do or what they've done, but by who you say they are. God, and I ask that you would speak to hearts right now. I pray right now that you would just touch people's hearts and that you would just remind them who they are, that my words would become your words that my words would just replace, be replaced by your words on their life. Lord, that biblical truth would actually just cut right through, that they would have no question, Lord, on who you have called them to be. In this season, through every season, and in the here and now, God, we just surrender it to you. Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit oceans.church.